Welcome to the Ban Hall, a Young Band Directors of Texas podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chelsea Frazier, president of YBDT, and with me is Amanda Blackstone, our executive director. YBDT is a nonprofit organization for young band directors in Texas. We're here to talk about the ins and outs of teaching band, especially in the first few years of your career. Today, we are here with Amanda Enriquez to talk about some of the top things we would wish we knew before our first year of teaching. Welcome to the Ban Hall. Hey, Amanda. Thanks for joining us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get to get started, just where you are currently teaching and what's your background? Yes. So I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> okay. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm an assistant director at Edinburgh High School at, in South Texas. Um, here at Edinburgh High School, I teach the concert band and the flutes and saxes. I also teach at our feeder, our main feeder middle school, Barrientes Middle School, and I assist with their three bands there, and I teach um, the flutes and the beginner flutes. Um, as far as, like, school, um, I got my undergrad at Texas A&M Kingsville in music education and flute performance, and then I went on to Texas Tech um, to get my master's in flute performance, and so... Which is where I love we flute. met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's exciting. We keep managing to like find Texas Tech people. They just we're we're all gravitating gravitating toward each other. Yep, um, which that's is cute because best people. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So your day it sounds like your day is full of flute, which I love. That's you know what I um you know everyone maybe talks about moving up or like changing jobs, and high school is busy, right? Long hours. But I love my teaching situation. Like, I, I mean, all I do really is teach flute, and I love that. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. You you find the situation that works for you. I mean, that's it's so good that you that you love you love your schedule. Well, this, this is my seventh year teaching, and it's my seventh year here. Oh, you've been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, everyone, today we're going to be talking about some of the things that we wish we knew before our first year teaching. And it's simply that, just random things that each of us have come up with, um, wishing that we knew a little bit more about or that someone told us or we learned it in college or whatever before we walked in the band hall for the first time as a director. So we each came up with a little list. We'll kind of go in between all of us. Um, I guess I'll start. I wish someone told me how crazy in-depth reads get. <laughs> Just <laughs> dealing with reads, adjusting reads, and I teach a beginning double read class, so it's like a whole new universe that I have been introduced mm-hmm. to. And even single reads, like how much of a difference they can make. Let's talk about strength. When I walked into my first year, I knew like the basics. You know, you should probably have mm-hmm. these kids on this strength and... Um, make sure it's placed here and don't even look at double reads. Like that's, <laughs> that's basically all I knew. So a, everything I've learned then, every time I meet a single or double read player, I'm just like picking their brain about, okay, if I need to adjust something, can I do this? If I do this, am I going to ruin it? Is this a read problem or a kid problem or a horn problem? I don't know. All what do you three. guys, it's, it's all, all three. three. <laughs> it's all middle school. It's all three. <laughs> I don't know. Do you? You're both flute players, so mm-hmm. do you have the same anxiety over reads that I have? Well, I just stay away from them, to be honest. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, no, you know. Uh, luckily, I mean, I, I haven't had too much trouble. My students are, you know, I, I teach mostly at the high school with the saxophones, 
And so they're pretty self-sufficient. They've been taught well. But I recently inherited the double read section here at the high school. So there's going to be a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Here's as a person that has been learning on the fly for the last seven years about these things. I grabbed a whole bunch of junk reads or like reads that didn't work anymore. And I like just what and I just practiced scraping them and I ruined quite a few. and I still ruin quite a few. But there's a there's actually there was a really great clinic that the vocal majority people did. You should check that one out. Um, I've at been this looking past at that. TMEA, they did stuff with a nail file, and like ugh, it blew my mind. Blew my mind in the best way. But uh, yeah, it's it's a whole nother world that I wish I knew a little bit more about. Amanda, do you have? Other Amanda, we have double Amanda today. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think you're gonna have to call me Blackstone on this okay, episode. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, that ties in a little bit to one of the ones that I put on my list, which is just like you said, as a flute player, I wish that I had had one very strong secondary um, getting out of college because flute is not the same. Like it has no cousin in Mm -hmm. the band like it really doesn't and I mean you could depending on who you talk to they could say oh well you know the oral cavity being open is very similar to how like trombones have to open their jaw or whatever and then some people might say well the fingerings mean it's closer to oboe and saxophone but truthfully as a flute player who has now taught several different beginner classes and plays the instruments all the time there is none that even remotely feels like a flute and uh it's very frustrating it was frustrating for me and it still is and I wish that I had just kind of committed to having either a brass secondary that I was really really good at or or a reed secondary that I was really really good at so that I could kind of have a direction um to you know what I was most qualified to teach in hindsight though I mean like since I didn't have that it has worked out for the best because I've gotten like a wide variety of um, experiences and now I feel like I've discovered a lot about both reed instruments and brass instruments so I think in it makes me a more well-rounded band director but it was you know it's still very challenging to be a flute player middle school band director with having to figure out everything else Mm -hmm. and I still don't understand why clarinet is so hard and I'm just gonna say that right now (laughs) okay the clarinet embouchure and the flute embouchure you can't get more polar opposites I mean honestly in in my opinion yeah I guess I didn't think about it because you know as a horn player you can pick up trumpet and it's like you're, you're good right um learn sixth and seventh position for those notes and then you're fine um, and as brass in general, we, and I'm the first one to say that they're all totally different and have totally different things. But if we're talking about us as directors picking them up as secondary, you're fine. Exactly. You know? But flute, I, you're right. It's nothing like anything else. I think flute players and percussionists are in the same boat with mm-hmm. that. You know, we kind of come into the band hall as fresh as our beginners. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, do you have like a secondary? Or- well... I picked up saxophone when I first started teaching here, and uh, it was fine. I mean, saxophone's pretty easy to just get the basics at, but really since then, I don't have a need to play saxophone. Like, I just stick with Mm -hmm. flute, 
And for a little while, I would tell the saxophones, like my students, to turn their neck around and I would play the fingerings, you know, because like they are close enough to flute that I could figure out just like the ones that weren't close to flute. And so I'd be like, even I could play it on saxophone and I'll just have them like use their mouthpiece and like me fingering. But I've been lucky in my gig. It's all flute for me. I think there's something to be said for that, too, because you're you're a specialist, you know, and you're yeah. you're a specialist you're very qualified on that instrument. I mean, you have a master's in performance. So that's like, I, I think there's a big strength to that too. Well, and just tagging on the secondary instrument thing, this is something that I thought about, but I wish that I, like going into my first year, I wish that I knew each instrument to a certain level. Like there's definitely some, like I could have picked up any brass and played like a three, a class three solo, you know, maybe not great, but you know, kind of up there um flute i was pretty decent at but then you give me a clarinet you give me a saxophone you give me a double reed i like i wish i was just a little more skilled on each one more than um just picking up and knowing how to make a decent sound like beyond that but yeah i i can see that but i also think there's still time i mean if you don't get out of college knowing that yeah that's um, true there's like that's your whole career is discovering that and you don't necessarily have to be re- able to reproduce music on every instrument, but it's helpful. Um, so, mm-hmm. like, there's still time, but it would be, <laughs> it would make things a little easier if you came out the gate already knowing yeah. that. Well, I was going to say, so speaking of you've got time, uh, I didn't really put this on my list, but it's something that, like, kind of coincides with the first one on my list, is that being a band director, or, like, being as a career is a lifelong learning process Mm -hmm. and I remember just like my first year maybe like one through three like just surviving you know it wasn't until like maybe my third year I was like beyond the just surviving and this is my seventh year and I think like on my fourth and fifth then I started kind of like getting good, being proactive, like teaching my teaching got better, my beginner classes got better, went Mm -hmm. further and And so, like, now I'm on my seventh year, and I feel like this is just sort of the start, you Mm -hmm. know? I figured out the basics. I've kind of, like, worked out the kinks. I'm really flexible now. Nothing phases me. So, (laughs) like, when you say, like, you've got plenty of time, no, really, like, being a band director, I mean, you have years to grow and learn Mm -hmm. and become successful. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of leads me. So that's, like, the main point of, like, my first one is that, success looks different for everyone and every program and so it just depends on like where you are but when I say success I like I say it in quotes okay and and like for me I was always like you know I'm I'm the flute player I'm I was always first chair straight A student Mm -hmm. wanted to be the best the drum major (laughs) and I think it was like my third year that I got the concert band and I was actually team teaching it with a with the other director here and she did one U- she did two UIL pieces and I did one and I did sight reading. But I felt like, okay, sight reading's my baby. That's the one that I'm gonna be good at and we're gonna get ones. And of course, me straight A, like I was like, we're gonna get sweepstakes, or we're gonna get ones. <laughs> okay, well, we totally didn't get ones. We totally <laughs> didn't get ones. It was like a small band with like one two flutes, two clarinets, one trumpet, one like tuba. It was one of those bands. Super mm-hmm. small, super young. Okay, so we went to UIL contest and we got like two, 
two, three on stage, something. So mm-hmm. definitely not ones, okay? And then for sight reading, which was my thing, I was like, we're going to be good here. We ended up getting like straight twos and I was devastated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I it's so funny to me now because it was my first year doing a band and I was devastated that I got straight twos. Like, uh, I, I mean, yeah. well, what first year, first director gets sweepstakes on their first try? I mean, I'm sure there is some, but it's like, it's right. okay. I had the same experience. I mean, I got twos. I don't know how many twos or whatever my first year. And I was pretty crushed because I'm Little Miss Perfect over here. And But how are you supposed to grow if you start at the top? Like... You know, and even if you get straight ones in your first year, can you really take credit for all those ones? Or is it really just, you know, the program and the the cluster that you're in and the teaching that was already in place when you got there? Because you've only been there for a year. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. Looking back, I can totally relate to how you feel about that. (laughs) I think I think this stigma of if you don't get ones, then it's not quality needs to go because Mm -hmm. um, the amount of band directors that I've seen, you know, I don't know a single director, even the greatest directors I know that have had a perfect record. You know, we all get a two at some point, you're going to be okay. But then there was one year, same thing happened to me. It was, it was like my third year or something. I don't remember what it was, but um, I had directors coming up to me saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it's mm-hmm. like... What a bummer. Right? I, and yeah, yeah, I was upset. But And then all of a sudden, I'm taking it more personally. And mm-hmm. oh my God, what did I do? I failed these students. I failed this program. And the, you know, there's... And it's beyond just ourselves and it's beyond our program. This is, a, in my opinion, something that is a statewide problem of oh, just yeah. so much being put into these UIL scores. And there is merit to UIL, but I don't know. It's not the be-all, end-all. And and you know me. I like to rock the boat. So I was talking to – I'm not a good name dropper, so I honestly don't remember the name of the person I was talking to. (laughs) But he's in charge of the whatever acronym that starts with a T that's like the judges – the Texas judges. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, and I was talking to him about how I feel that there's a misconception that either you get a one or you failed – yeah. And he was, like, shocked that I felt that way. And I was like, this is not just me, okay? This is, no, like, this it is, is not what just people you. think. And he was like, what do you think it would take to, like, lose that, um, you know, that mentality? And I said, get rid of the numbers completely. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, <laughs> well... It, you can't just say to people, hey, start being okay with a three, start being okay with a four, start being okay right. with a two. Like, you can't just start telling people to do that. If you really want to reset the mentality, change the rating scale, whether it's a scale of 10 now or maybe, which would be too obvious because people would still say, okay, either you get a, a nine <laughs> right. or a 10 or you fail. But, like, change it to 
colors like you're the red team or <laughs> something the, you got purple this year yeah like Congrats. because you can't you can't reset the mentality that's been there for forever I mean I've I've talked about this with other people that like we're at the point now where like my mom remembers whether she got a one in her high school choir in her tiny Texas town back when she was singing in like the 80s and so it's one of those like ingrained Texas things that you can't just come out and be like hey guys so it's not about you know a one anymore from now on most bands are gonna get a three and we're excited about that like <laughs> you yeah. can't okay. do that <laughs> this is a, this is a little bit of a tangent but you know the um the evaluation process they have for teachers and i do mm-hmm. i want i need to know if your districts also say the phrase rock solid teacher so many mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. do you know what i'm talking if about you're proficient then you're a rock you're a solid rock solid teacher, teacher. <laughs> That's I've what that reminded that. me of. You've never heard that? No. Oh my god! Every time they talk about evaluations, they talk about if you get proficient, you're that means you're rock solid. Trying to make us feel okay about it. That's what that reminded me of. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like you know, it's probably gets back to like human nature, really. I mean, the problem mm. is not just UIL. It's just human nature that people want to be the best, and if. And if it continues with the same rating scale for too long, like it's either going to be like go big or go home. You're either the best or you're not, you know, which it shouldn't be that way. And the best band directors in our state are good at keeping perspective for themselves, their coworkers, and their their kids too. And that's part of our challenge as teachers is giving our kids that perspective and our communities that perspective Mm -hmm. of, you know, it's not always about the result. It's more about the process. Yeah, and it and and like speaking to that, so like first year with that band, fast forward to the second year with that band. Again, I was like gun ho with that mindset. We are gonna get that big trophy. And we didn't. We got straight ones on stage, which was a huge improvement, and we mm-hmm. got like one two two in sight reading. And again, I mean, year two doing the band, I was crushed. But then, like, later looking back, I thought, well, holy cow, like, from one year to the next, we made, you know, some significant progress, like, some Mm -hmm. serious progress that, like, could maybe take a couple of years, and we did it in one. And, Mm -hmm. And I think that was the success that, like, it looks different for everyone, but that was a huge win for us here at Edinburgh High School and a huge win for my students, and so... You could have told me that, that like, uh, you know, um, it takes time and, you know, it looks different for everyone. You could have told me that in year one, but I wouldn't have understood it until now. And so Mm -hmm. I really wish I would have just understood that, Mm -hmm. like, to my core. Because now I'm not so hard on myself. Like, oh, I didn't get straight ones. I'm, you know, I Mm -hmm. I don't beat myself about it. And, And it's nice. You know, I enjoy teaching more. And you should be proud of that progress. Your kids are lucky to have you because they, because you're one of the most positive, energetic people I know. Like, and so I know that even if you felt devastated, you didn't carry that into the classroom at all. And because, because that's not who you are. Like, you're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go to another one. Um, So one of the most important things, in my opinion, is your classroom management, the management Mm -hmm. of what your room looks like beyond music, nothing to do with music. And, you know, there's an argument to be said that that is part of the classroom management. And I agree with that. But 
how your kids come in, what to do when you have a kid that talks back in the middle of class, what to do if you have a kid that goes to the bathroom every single day at the same exact time and it's always an emergency, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. all of those those things that we can talk about in fluffy, perfect you know, college land where we're talking about the perfect kids and the perfect setting and the perfect school. Um, but until you really see it and you're dealing with it and you're dealing with these situations on the fly, you know, I don't know if you can really know. I think you can, though. That's something that has bothered me is, is that I feel that classroom management can be taught just as anything else um, can be taught and I think there are some good teachers that have really rough starts to their career because no one takes the time to mentor them and teach them the classroom management and then there are others who are very lucky because from day one they have someone in that band hall Mm-hmm. you know telling them how to manage their class because and I mean yes some people it will come more naturally to depending on I think leadership experience and maybe personality type and things like that but I really don't believe in the sink or swim like you either got it or you don't you can either manage a classroom or you can't I don't think that's true because I feel like I know people my friends and I've seen people that you just give them a few pointers on how to run their rehearsal better or you know you coach them just a little bit on classroom management and they get so much better and you know everyone is better off for it um that yeah I think it is important to have lessons on classroom management whether it happens in college or in student teaching or hopefully by your mentor your first year teaching at least I mean that's the last resort to help you with your classroom management. I'll never forget, I think it was like my second year teaching, um, our percussion teacher like saw me struggling with, with, I don't know, sectionals or something. Like my class was just talking and talking and talking. And I was like, guys, be quiet, guys, be quiet. Or come on, we need to be quiet. Or like, Mm -hmm. stop talking. And and he was just like, just stop. Like, just just stop and just be looking at them quiet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't just stop. I've got to tell them something, you know? Like, I've got to get after them. He's like, no, just stop. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop. And the whole class got quiet, was like wondering, why did she stop? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I was like, dang, that was magic. <laughs> yeah, everyone <laughs> needs to have that, that someone, like you were saying, Amanda, about just saying, okay, do this, not this. Mm-hmm. And I, But I also think about all those people that don't have that opportunity or didn't have that opportunity. It's just, oh my gosh, it's such an important thing, no matter what you're teaching. Yeah, I think it's a really make or break thing for teachers that a lot of teachers that leave the classroom permanently it's because they never learned how to manage it to begin Mm -hmm. with I think you're right so one of the things that I wrote on my list that you guys are going to laugh about and I (laughs) purposely wrote it a little bit cryptically is something I wish I had known before I started teaching was that my body was not going to stay 21 years old forever and I wish that someone had told me like they probably did but I wish that someone had told me like you know keep working out regularly get yourself a good water bottle and here's the big one don't eat the snacks in the teacher's lounge every time they're available. 
because that is what got me. I, I am still working that off because like, you know, I was like lucky enough to be on a campus, my first job that really spoiled us with treats. I'm not even kidding. Like here's some fried chicken and some donuts, like pig out. And I was like, you know, I was still in college kid mindset. So I was like free food. And I just like went for it. And oh my gosh, I wish that someone had just like sat me down and been like, Amanda, you look so cute in those pants, but girl, they're not going to fit in two years if you keep doing this. <laughs> it's, I was going to say the same thing. It's that college mindset of, oh my God, there's free food. Oh my God, free t-shirt, right? Like you don't need every, every single one of those. I was talking to another teacher friend of mine. And um, we were talking about support and, you know, what admin can do for us. And I, look, guys, I don't need another donut breakfast. I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you put them in front of me, I'm probably going to eat too many. So mm-hmm. let's let's leave it at that. And why don't you come, I don't know, cover my class for 10 minutes and let me <laughs> let me go, like, shut my eyes for 10 minutes. But <laughs> you're so right. Or, like, the cute little candy. Again, super appreciative. Do not need it. Yeah, that was me for all of my, like, first, second year of marching band meals. Mm. We'd get, like, pizza, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm eating five slices. I got to right. get myself <laughs> through this night. Yeah, okay. <laughs> By, like, the, the end of, like, the, I don't know, second season, I was like, look, I need to be eating something that's going to help me get through this night. Mm-hmm. Like, something that's going to sustain me. Not pizza or, like, first for seconds on our Whataburger days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pivoting off of this is other things about your body that start failing, <laughs> like getting good <laughs> shoes. I could have walked the Texas Tech campus in, you know, $1 flip-flops for my entire college career and would have been fine. Now that I'm 30, I need some support. I need some, <laughs> I, need, I need comfort in my shoes. I need that, you know, get your dress pants, make sure that they're comfortable, okay? Beta brand yoga pant dress pants if you haven't. Do you I have those? I love those, I love those. Highly recommend, highly, highly recommend. Beta brand, they're so good, they feel like yoga pants. But like quality stuff like that, now that I'm getting older and my body is slowly betraying me, makes a huge difference. Those are my UIL pants, by the way. Those yeah, beta brand pants, those are my UIL pants. <laughs> Amanda, you need to get yourself some because they're game changers. I do. They're yoga pants, but they're like, they're dressed up or they looked or shaped like dress pants. Mm. And they're really convincing. I've thought about it several times. It's been recommended to me a lot. But the pair, the pair of black dress pants that I have right now, I really like because they have deep pockets like guys' pants. Ooh. And they're very comfortable too. They're they feel like sweatpants, honestly, but they look nice and they've got such deep pockets. I just can't get over it. <laughs> like I could put my baton in that pocket. That's amazing. <laughs> so spinning off the funny um, suggestions or things that we wish we knew. Mm-hmm. I want to say I wish I knew, and I'm sure I knew this at the time that I was in school. But you have to renew your teaching <laughs> certificate every five years and that was like a shock to me okay because one day I got a call and they were like um I think we were having an audit or something so they were like checking teacher certificates and um I got a call they were like um your teaching certification is has been expired for a year I was like what they're like yeah you're gonna have to probably go home now (laughs) and I was like what they they send you home 
No, I, they didn't actually send me home. I was able to resolve the issue, but okay, you've got to renew your certificate every five years. So what happened in my case was I renewed it. So I graduated in my with my undergrad, and then I got certified, and then I went on for my master's. So, like, I had the certification, but then I kept on going to school. So it wasn't actually, like, five years of teaching. So, of course, it wasn't on my radar. And my mentor has one of those lifelong ones that she, mm-hmm. like, you never have to mm-hmm. renew. So that wasn't something we talked Must about. nice. <laughs> I know. We're too young for those. I No, the same thing happened to me, I guess, two years ago. But I didn't realize that you had to do that. And I think it was my husband then boyfriend he he was saying like oh our because we started the same year oh we have to renew our certificates i was like oh my god what (laughs) every five years everybody yeah i should probably get on that (laughs) (laughs) i'll check it out i actually for those of you guys listening we briefly outline our episodes before we do them believe it or not even though they go in a million directions and i read what amanda had typed on there and i immediately started looking into renewing my certification (laughs) and now i've discovered that of course i no longer have access to the email address that i'm supposed to use to renew it and all that stuff so Okay, I'll just add it to my to-do list and give them a call. <laughs> Make the list longer. It never ends. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, something a little different is I wish I had more experience placing kids, like fifth graders, on instruments for the first time. And I know a lot of that comes with practice, and the more you do it, the better you get. Um, but that first time that you do it, you know, I, I just remember so being so nervous about what I was doing, especially uh, like flute is, you know, a special (laughs) challenge Um, and picking the right kids for horn or double reeds or percussion. And I I was so nervous that I wasn't doing it right. So we, I remember my first one, I was sitting next to like, I had other directors on either side of me and I'm just like glancing over at them and seeing what they're doing the whole time. And like, oh, did I, oh, I did that too. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But just being more confident placing those kids on the right thing. I think that's one of those things too that depending on what semester you student teach because here in Texas most universities just require one semester of student teaching. If you student teach in the fall then you are not around for instrument placements at all. You don't have a chance to access that you know that experience and vice versa for like if you're student teaching in the spring you don't get to see the beginning of the year. So like Chelsea and I, a student taught at different times. So she at least had seen how years start, but hadn't mm-hmm. done any placements. Well, for me, I had been around for um, instrument drives. So I saw the process at least. I didn't really do it hands-on, but I at least saw it. But I, yeah, when the school year started, I was like, I have not seen a first day for a middle schooler since I was a middle schooler and <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah that's a special day mm-hmm. I heard a long time ago there was like a rumor that they were turning it into a year-long student ex- teaching experience have, have you guys heard that oh I haven't heard that that would be okay. I mean that's a lot that'd be a big change I think that's it's a lot much. <laughs> yeah well I think there's something I don't and again I don't know if it's true it's just some rumor that I heard but uh but like you were saying, there, you know, the fall and the spring are completely different. 
Um, but it would be a lot, so I don't know if I'm a favorite. Man, of them. talking about instrument placement is giving me like anxiety about this coming years, like this year's <laughs> oh, instrument place. Like, there's so many questions. How are we going to do it? You know, are we going to test kids? Are we just kind of like going to ask them? So, anyways, yeah, that just popped in my mind. I already did mine, actually, and in person, but very carefully with a lot of like intense chemicals I felt like to clean a lot of things and we had several we had those plastic instrument testing kits and we had a whole bunch of extra mouthpieces and stuff and I don't know we already did ours for the most part which was really really good because we desperately needed to grow our program and it helped Mm -hmm. a lot to do that before choice sheets were finalized so thank goodness for that but I hope that things go well for you and if you guys need to know how we did it later on you can ask me and I can fill you in oh yeah Um, absolutely yeah it's oh you know you're never going to be completely prepared for teaching it's just impossible there's definitely a lot of baptism by fire type things but (laughs) something that would have helped me a lot is if I had um in like known this in my core kind of like Amanda was saying like understood that other band directors are not your competition and I say that coming from growing up in the Texas band system which is fabulous it has a lot of good things about it but it's very competition driven I'm a competitive person and you know coming out of college it's it wasn't an intentional thing that I mentality that I had but it was subconsciously there that I felt like other band directors my age were kind of my competition I don't know if that came from like the fact that we were kind of competing for jobs initially and then we all found our first jobs and then it kind of still lingered there and it wasn't until I built good relationships with several other band directors and started seeing them as friends that I realized, okay, this is dumb. We're all in this together. We're gonna be doing this for years and we should use each other as resources instead of trying to one-up each other. And Mm -hmm. once that clicked for me, I was a much happier um, band director. And I honestly, that's kind of what helped me build YBDT because I started seeing everyone else as someone that I wanted in my circle of friends so that I could use them as a resource and so I could support them instead of looking at them like, ooh, they're over across town and they're doing this at their band program and, um, you know, now I'm competitive with them and I want to be, you know, you know what I'm saying. I just wish I had learned that sooner. And in speaking to that, like, because, I don't know, because we're so competitive, you know, being on the job, when I first started out, I was here in the band hall Mm -hmm. for so many hours, Mm -hmm. you know, and I felt like I needed to be here in order to be a good band director. So one thing that I wish I would have known is you can take some time for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always aware, like, I don't want to take a day off because I know it really like we'd be a person down, you know, and, and, you know, someone else Mm -hmm. has to cover me. And so I'm always aware of that, but that doesn't mean don't take that day. When I first started, I like, I didn't go to the dentist, like, for a whole year because I was like, no, I can't go. I've, I've got practice. But, I mean, now it's like, okay, I can go to the dentist, guys. You can <laughs> yeah. go to the dentist. You can <laughs> go to the dentist. It's, it's banned. It's, take care of your teeth, all right? Um, no, I'm with you. The, 
I, I wrote this on my list too, is I wish I knew what a, I wish I had an example of what a healthy work-life balance as a band director looked like. Because mm-hmm. I know people, you know, I heard first year teaching, oh, make sure you exercise, going back to that, make sure you're eating healthy. And then in my first year teaching, I'm like, well, when does anyone have time for that? I don't have time for that. I have to be at school. I have to work. I have to do this. I have to do this. I mean, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that felt that oh, feels yeah. that. I still feel that. I mean, I'm I'm glad I'm at work a lot because if I'm working, I'm not spending. But and on the off side of that, <laughs> on the off side of that, I mean, when I need a moment, I can take the moment. Yeah, I think absolutely. it all comes back to viewing this job as a marathon and not a sprint. And yeah. you know, when you're a band student, it's a sprint, and you're you're working towards that competition or that next marching show or that next whatever. You know, even when you're just like not a band student, but just a student student, you're working towards graduation, which is only a few years away. And so you mm-hmm. have to pack it all in. But then you graduate from college, you start your career, and it's a marathon. You're going to be ideally doing this job for longer than you've already been alive up to that point and so (laughs) you have to think of it that way and I still struggle to think long term I'm I'm a very short term like goal oriented person and but it's a marathon it's not a sprint and so you have to think about how is this one you know missing this one day of school how does that compare to the next 30 years of my career okay is it not going to make a dent cool then i'm going to go to the dentist (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely all right guys everybody right now look on your calendar and plan your next dentist appointment we all need one you'll get your teeth (laughs) but i hate going to the dentist so much you gotta do it put it on the list right underneath your certification getting it renewed <laughs> then go to the dentist you guys are just adding things to my to-do list and i don't <laughs> like it okay <laughs> we're gonna rename this one um, amanda's to-do list oh gosh then it would have to be hours and hours long oh my gosh <laughs> well and that's the, okay going back it's a thing every day i leave school and i have stuff on my to-do list and that is okay because our to-do list is never going to be finished and we just need to come to terms with that there's always going to be something to do yeah. And don't stress out about it. It'll be there when you come back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is okay. Take care of the urgent things and then start picking away at the other stuff. Um, and then think about the other parts of your life, the relationships in your life, um, taking care of your body, taking care of your mental health. Um, find someone that you, you you know admire and their balance you know, and, and what that looks like. Um, Amanda Enriquez is CrossFit Central. Okay. It Go keeps check me her sane. out. She's awesome. Yeah. It keeps me sane. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that that's my therapy sessions is is one thing that when we were on lockdown and we couldn't go to the gym, I was struggling. And that mm. was just one thing that I told myself. I said, Okay, I know, you know, at first thing or like things were dangerous or iffy at first, but that was one thing I was not gonna give up. And I'm glad I didn't. I get it. I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um okay, let's bounce to Let's bounce to the relationships because you were talking about yeah. relationships. Yeah, oh yeah, let's do that. So one of the things that I wish I knew to do was to build relationships with your students because when I first started teaching, I was like, go, go, go. Every minute of the period has to be productive and successful and like just business, business, business. And I realized like I started having a retention issue, you know, like not a lot of kids wanted to stay. So mm-hmm. then, then my our, my head band director here, he said, "Look, they're in it for the teacher. 
And I was like, okay, they're in it for the teacher. So then, I don't know, I started, (laughs) so I started like, you know, we take like, I don't know, like eight, five to eight minutes to set up every day, you know, like in a middle school class, like my beginner class. And I started just talking to them while we're setting up. Oh, how was your day? What are you guys doing? What's new in your life? And, and, you know, you start talking to them. They start talking back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you start building a little relationship with your students. And and then that's when I noticed my kids started signing up for band next year. And I was kind of keeping most, if not all, of my students. And, I mean, that's perfect because, I mean, for me, I see my students 6th through 12th grade. And I want them to stay 6th through 12th grade. Right. So... I really learned then that that if you just take some time to get to know your students, talk to them, let them get to know you, build that relationship, it really pays off. And, I mean, it makes band more fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's okay to have silly moments and, and you know, bond with your kids over so – there's so much more to band than just band, and that's what makes us really special. Yeah. The whole period doesn't have to be work, 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 you know. Yeah, plus, you know, I feel like teaching band is secondary to what our real job is, which is teaching kids. Mm-hmm. And we're teaching them to do a lot more than play their instruments effectively. That's part of it, and that's the hardest part for us sometimes because it's a, you know, a an, it's an intellect challenge. Um, but, yeah, we're teaching kids, and so you have to be kid-friendly and that, that can be hard. I definitely feel like this year, since I'm at a new job and we're wearing masks, it, this is the first year that I felt like it's been harder for me to build relationships with my kids. And I honestly think it's because they can't see my smile. Because, oh, that's a big deal. The expressions you know, on your face. Yeah, the expressions are a big deal, which, I mean, also with classroom management, I have a really good teacher face that's like, okay, sit, <laughs> sit down and shut up. And I have not been able to use it this year. Like, I'm standing up there doing my teacher face wondering why it's not working, and I know why it's not working, because they can't see half of it. Um, but, yeah, it's like the expressions on your face are a really big deal because in middle school you know all you have to do is smile at a kid in the hallway and wave and they're gonna Mm -hmm. feel like you saw them and you know if you tell them they have a cool shirt well then wow you're gonna be bffs for life and so um it's just they can't see me smile and so i have to try and really emote with my my tone of voice and my hand gestures and things but even then, I I tend to come across as very serious, especially in my honors band class because I'm mm-hmm. listening so hard that I'm like probably scowling, and I need to work on that. I'm just verbalizing that. <laughs> no, and these are the moment, those silly moments, those moments when you kind of get off, those moments when you're talking before class or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those are the moments that the kids remember. Mm-hmm. Those are the you know a lot. I was telling you guys in an exec meeting a long time ago about. It was the weirdest thing in my beginning trumpet class. I love my beginner trumpets this year. Oh, every year, but they're like extra weird this year, and they're so funny. <laughs> um, and we were talking, and I don't even know how it happened, but I told them that in the 90s, we had purple ketchup. I remember this <laughs> story. Yeah, I told you. It wasn't even like, it, it just came up. And they were like, Miss Frazier, no. And I was like, yeah, guys, we had purple ketchup. Total, had nothing to do with what we were talking about. Um, it was like called Easy Squeeze, if you're not familiar with it. I think it was in green, too. I've never and seen this purple ketchup. Oh, okay, never Google seen it. it. <laughs> Google it. It was a thing. It was a thing, yeah. But I say this because 
first of all, it brought me so much joy just talking about purple ketchup. But those kids have reminded me about it at least once a week <laughs> since <laughs> then. Because it was just a cute moment in their day. And then, like, that's the stuff they remember. Not how, you know, we worked on our articulation that day and learned what staccato was. And, like, no, they remember the purple ketchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think during also during this time, you know, like, this has been t- a tough time for students. And... I mean, at least as far as our middle school numbers, our middle school numbers have gone down. But for Mm -hmm. me, I think I've kept almost all of my students because I had built that relationship with them last year. Right. And they, like, they know me, we talk, we don't just, it's not business. I'm someone that they can talk to about how, maybe how rough it's going or how unique it is for them. And, and, um. I think it's kind of like therapy for all of us involved. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so something – this is a little – a lot more serious than, you know, ketchup and all of that. But <laughs> every every student is different, and we know this, and they come from different backgrounds and have different stuff that they're dealing with. And I wish that I knew a little bit more about how to make accommodations for – Um, students with different medical conditions or different and I can just think of you know random stuff that in in that I've encountered okay yesterday I learned that one of my beginner oboe players is practically deaf in one of her ears and it's I know (laughs) that would have been nice to know before she was placed on oboe oh yeah (laughs) I agree she's doing great she's an awesome kid and I would have never guessed that there was anything you know, that was a little different from with her hearing. But, you know, I've had kids that, you know, have histories of seizures and then seeing that on their paperwork, you know, it gives me anxiety because I don't know how to deal with that. And then, um, you know, we have, we've had kids that have different function, like functional abilities and different, you know, fingers or arms or whatever. And there's no way to really prepare for any of that. Um, but I kind of wish before going into teaching, I had a few more open conversations about different things you might see and what are some cool accommodations you could use and how to have, uh, an appropriate conversation with the parents that is mm-hmm. encouraging and, you know, just being more aware of all of that. You, you only really know your own experience, I guess, but, um, but there's a and, lot of different, oh, go ahead. It- and, well, just so you know, I didn't know this my first year teaching, but, like, on my roster on Skyward, there's, like, alerts by the kid's name mm-hmm. that says, like, maybe accommodations needed. I think it was, like, my second year, I was like, what does this red exclamation point mean? And I'm looking <laughs> through it, I'm like, wow, I should have known that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right, Chelsea, in that, you know, there's such a long list of exceptionalities that students Mm -hmm. might have that you couldn't possibly you know be prepared for all of them but I do think it's meant it it should be um there should be it should be said that there are people on campus that are there specifically to help you so it took me a little while to learn that if there's a medical concern and you don't know how that might look in the band class, you go talk to the nurse first. Mm -hmm. Then you'd probably talk to the parents. Or if there is a, you know, special education 504 type concern, then you talk to the case manager and get as much information as you can and then probably talk to the parents. You know, it's, but I had to seek that out and find those people myself. Um, And the way it's all presented to you when you start your career is like that new hire 
orientation and stuff is like you know drinking from a a fire hose it's so much information Mm. and they give you this packet of accommodations you're supposed to sign off on and you they give you all this stuff and um you don't really you can't really process that until you have the kid in front of you and you start teaching and I think it's important for campuses to check back in with their new teachers and be like, how are things actually going with those kids now and how can we support you more and or at least send them the names of who they need to know. I mean, I'm new on my campus this year. I am still finding out who I'm supposed to talk to about certain things on oh, my yeah. campus because I don't know who it is and if they could send like a and I'm sure some campuses do this, the really well-functioning ones, send out like a little list of like, this is your contact person for these type of questions, you know, and ask. Mm-hmm. But but otherwise, you just have to ask until you get answers. And a lot of times things will be updated throughout the year. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, how did I not know that she, you know, had a hearing problem? Did I miss it? because I didn't click on the little cross next to her name, the little red cross thing, that that's what ours looks like on a Skyward. Or was it added in this year? Because we don't get, I, I wish there was a way where, hey, we just discovered this, you know, we're working on this, they were diagnosed with this, whatever. Um, you should be aware, or at least come talk to me so we can talk about it throughout the year. Um, and I understand people get bogged down with a whole bunch of different stuff. We all do on campus. Um, but you are 100% right. That's the answer is don't be afraid to go to the people on your campus and ask for clarification and mm-hmm. have those conversations. And there's a place for every single person in this world in a band program. Um, but sometimes it might just need a little bit of extra support. And that's cool. So finding yeah. out what is best for the kid and what you can do for him. Well, it comes down to communication and relationships just you know to Mm -hmm. bring this full circle like you have to have a relationship with the kid to find out what they're struggling with and what what's working for them and then things come up I can't tell you how many kids I've had to email their parents because in conversation I find out the kid is supposed to be wearing glasses and the oh, kid yeah, is that's not wearing glasses. And I'm here with my glasses on. The kids know it. And so I think they feel okay telling me that they are also a four eyes. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm over here with my big, huge glasses. And so they like tell me, like, yeah, I'm actually supposed to be wearing glasses. And I'm like, well, shoot. That's why you Get don't know where what we're... <laughs> like, you can't read anything. It's because you are right. literally supposed to be wearing glasses on your face. And then I call. And the parents, of course, say, well, ever since they became a preteen they don't do what they're supposed to do anymore and I say yep that's middle school let's have them wear their glasses now and then it all gets worked out but like if you don't even have the relationship and mm-hmm. I'm, and it sounds like you definitely did Chelsea but it's like you know if you if you don't until you build that relationship you don't know what that kid um is struggling with and they are not gonna always be forthcoming it's not always gonna be documented but as the relationship builds you'll find out and because we're teachers and we care so much and we're so creative, we'll find solutions to pretty much any, you know, exceptionality, any issue will, that comes up, we will find a way um, to make mm. learning happen. But yeah, it's like you have to have that relationship. And then, of course, I always get real sassy when I found out one of my kids is supposed to be wearing glasses and they're not. I get so <laughs> It's sassy. such a common thing in middle school. Mm-hmm. They, they they just don't want to put them on or whatever. Well, and then I end up, the funny thing is, then I end up being like, 
y'all want to know how strong my glasses are? And then, of course, the whole class passes around my pair of glasses. They all get to try it on, <laughs> and they get to look and see how terrible my vision is. And it's a, it's one of those moments, just like the purple ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep going yeah. back to it. My last piece of advice kind of goes coincides with my first one. It is to trust the process. Like, trust the process that you're teaching will yield progress and yield success, you know, whatever success means for you. But don't be impatient with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's okay. It takes time. And But like like we were saying, like, being a band director, it, it's a marathon. I think Amanda put it the best. It's a marathon. And just trust the process. Don't be frustrated. And don't give yourself a hard time if you're not seeing results as fast as you want to see them. I mean, because... I'm sure everyone is seeing some sort of progress and it's always the little wins that, you know, you don't really acknowledge, but the little wins are really the big ones. It's a process for us and it's a process for our kids. And I tell, especially my beginners, like, okay, let's play this line twice. The second time, you know, it's not great, but did it sound better than the first time? You made progress. That's a big deal. You should be proud of yourself. And the next time, let's, you know, miss one less note, (laughs) you know, or whatever. But as long as you're going somewhere... I think that's a big deal. And it's the same thing with as us as teachers. Uh, I'm a strong believer if if you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I got it all figured out and I'm good. Like this is I this is it and I'm 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 good for the rest of my career. You're in a bad place. You should mm-hmm. constantly be learning. You should constantly be growing. There's always something you don't know. There's always and our field, you know, there's there's it's always changing and evolving and there's you can go so deep with so much of it. Um, you should be learning till the last day of the last year, right before you retire. Yep, it's true. And I think the last two things you guys just said, I need to just have them, have my phone paused at that spot in the episode. I just need to listen to it anytime <laughs> things aren't going my way and be like, you're right, Amanda. You're right, Chelsea. I could do this. <laughs> But on that note, I do want to say thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us for this episode. I forever will enjoy talking to you about band and about life because you're such a great person. And this has been so fun with the three of us. I hope that if anything, some people listening to this episode got a little bit of giggles and at least nodded their head in in agreement (laughs) because I think we're all kind of in the same boat. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd love to hear like any of y'all listening, like what are some things that you guys wished that you knew that maybe we didn't mention, yeah. you know, going into your first few years of teaching. Um, and you can you can find and comment. You can find us. You can um, find YBDT and just let us know what you think. Because I'm sure we could go on for, you know, three more hours about this. Amanda, thank you so, so, so much for joining us. It was so fun. This was so much fun. I was so happy to be part of this episode. Thank you for listening. This is The Band Hall, a YBDT podcast. Follow us on Instagram at YoungBandDirectorsTX and find more information about joining YBDT at YoungBandDirectorsTX.com. Until next time.